Welcome back, everybody, to Just Joking Podcast or whatever we're going to end up naming this thing. Um, today is a very, very great day in the podcast world. We are here at Blue Couch Studio in Broken Arrow, a spot for local musicians, podcasters, artists of any sorts to come in and get some studio time. But today, man, today, 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 we got a, a local legend, if I may say, a, a great in the game here in comedy and someone who I cannot stop hearing about at the Looney Bin to the point where I was just about ready to shoot him some hate mail. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. We got Evan Hughes. Thank you for having me. I appreciate yeah, man. Uh, the opportunity to be here with you. Yeah, man. It's Thank freaking you. great. It's great. I wish I had my questions just ready to rock and roll, but um, I would like to say that, um, yeah, I work at the Looney Bin, and you, I think you... Was it hosted a um, mental awareness show recently? I did, yeah. It was just a couple of weeks ago. We did a, a mental health awareness uh, benefit show. Yeah. Uh, so we raised uh, quite a bit of money. And it was just, it was all local comics on the lineup. We brought a pretty good crowd. I think it was a Sunday night even, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I was um, I was at a, a comedy club that night and I heard Lynn Kay was there, wasn't she? Yeah, Lynn Kay. She did a, a fantastic job. Uh, we had a lot of good comics on that. We had Sandra Slade and Lacey Rains and oh, wow. some others. So it was a really good lineup. Yeah, Lynn Kay. We started the same day. We kind of like uh, became became like comic like mar- we married pretty much. We got married. Yeah, I yeah. Fu- I might as well say it. I'll just come out. All right, I'm married to Lynn Kay. It's whatever. Dude, that that's one of the really cool things about stand up is I started like eight years ago. Yeah, and I'm still like brother and sister, which is kind of like a marriage, you know, mm-hmm. in Arkansas, but <laughs> yeah. it, like those become your, your people, you know, and like being able to watch over the years. Like I remember like the class of comics that came in like three years ago mm-hmm. and the ones that started right on either the same day or the same week are like married, dude, you I, know, like, I like and I'd love to see it. Class of comics, dude. That is really, that's a really cool. It's like a, it. it's like a clown college, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> it, is, man. it is. What's the graduation? Like, uh, uh, I think it's really just like doing the first set. Yeah. Do, you're doing your first set is when you graduate. And just when you keep doing it with those people, um, you know, it, if you only do some, do it once, you might not have that relationship with them. But when you see those friends come to that next mic with you, mm-hmm. you know, that that's when it's like, oh, yeah, we, we met at that. We met at the first one. And then you're doing it again. And after that, you're pretty much locked in. It is really cool to be a part of the community. Like growing up, I I didn't play sports very often or very much. I only played for a year, so I never really got like that team feeling, you know, very much. And I had uh, no brothers or anything like that. I lived with just one sister. So having like it's I know it's a weird way to p- point that out, but having like a community where I see the same people every week and we get to you know become friends, build relationships, and cheer each other on. It's a real. It's like a a really fulfilling feeling. Feeling, I meant to say. Feeling. There we go. Feeling. Yeah, you should use yeah. the two E's in that. That's how you speak, <laughs> by the way. Use the letters given in the word. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. Uh, who, do you remember who you, you um, was there on your first open mic? Oh, my gosh. So, I actually uh, was in a, a comedy. They had a comedy class at the Looney Bin back then. They mm. may still have one, but this was taught by a different, different person. Now. Yeah, it discontinued. But, um that was, yeah, everybody that was in that class and that was also starting out around that time, there was people around the scene that were just starting out that weren't in the class, mm-hmm. but they were still like, that was you know, the same. You know, they'd recognize me when I'd come out that I was another new person like they were. Yeah. Um, but I that's one of my favorite parts about comedy is that like uh, camaraderie, that comedy camaraderie. Comedy camaraderie, uh, baby. Um, and yeah, it's just that feeling of like, uh, you know, being off stage with some people and all right, you're going to go up soon. Like you got this, you know, and then they're saying the same thing, uh, for you or you're saying it to them, mm-hmm. you know, just cheering each other on same thing in sports, you know, it's yeah, like, it's all right, go get them, you yeah, know? And then you see, watching them do really well and you're just like so happy for them. And then they're watching you do well and they're so happy for you. And it's just like, that's it. I had a show last night with just one other comic and I know for a fact we both had that same feeling. Like I could see him out in the crowd, like smile on his face, like laughing for me. And I was the same way for him. And it wasn't fake. It was like he was funny as hell. Yeah. You know, and I was so proud of him watching him. And it was just like that's I'm sure that happens in sports and that definitely happens in comedy. So what got, what got you I'd necessarily into comedy? Because public speaking is like the number one fear 
in, in I think the world. Like people would rather kill themselves than do public speaking. Like well, I, seriously, I think it death goes, is like three, by the way, and then number one is public speaking, which I don't understand at all. But well, I think it goes hand in hand. I mean, if you're at a place where you want to kill yourself or you've thought about it a lot, I, I think it makes doing stand up seem a lot less scary. Yeah. You know, it's like almost like that's a good point. Yeah. If the other stuff on that list isn't even your fear, like most of the people that do comedy would probably be okay with dying. You know, so it's like what fears do they have? It's a lot of fearless people that don't give don't give a shit about anything. So if you're at that point where you're like, I don't even want to be here, I don't want to be alive, why not do stand up? So you don't want to be alive but you're but you don't want to do a set. Mm -hmm. You know, why? Probably shouldn't have said kill yourself after a mental health awareness show. But oh right, and I did I did kind of joke about that on the show too, but I you know I made like light of suicide a little bit, but yeah. I just felt like everybody in the room would understand, you know, that mm-hmm. it was. And there was there was a dude that was at that show too that came up to me, um, like mid show we met in the lobby because I think we were both going to the gonna go to the restroom at the same time, and he pulled out like sixty more dollars to give me, and was just like thanking me so much for doing the show but like you could tell like looking at his face I was like oh this guy's seen some shit oh, no. you know and oh, that's no. where this money's coming from you know like he's been he's either in it right now in that bad mental health place or he's been there before mm-hmm. one way or another and but but that's the thing too is like people in comedy we can all joke about really dark things because we're either living in it or we used to live in it no doubt that's definitely a big that's a big thing about comedy for sure and I, I like to put in the light on the in the dark, you know, shining the light, you know, and seeing what's over there. Cause it's, if you just try, if you just act like you're trying to ignore it, then it's just going to become worse. So why not talk about it and express it and how you feel about it? Cause somebody's going to resonate with it. Just like that guy obviously resonated with what you were saying. Cause he wanted to come talk to you and donate some more money to the cause. That's really cool to switch it up a little bit. Can you tell me about that? Uh, that twin peaks joke you got, have you oh. talked about this before? I'm sure you have. Wait a second. Which was the twin peaks joke? Twin peaks. It's, um, you you said a joke right where uh, your your buddy you're at Twin Peaks and your buddy was getting hit on, and um, the, uh, the girl said that he looked like a character from The Walking Dead. Oh my god, dude! That w- that joke is from like eight years ago. Yeah, is, one of, is that I, one of your first? You think? I, I'm amazed that I don't even know how you know about that joke. But that yeah, I haven't done that joke in probably like eight years, dude. Yeah. And That's I cool. totally f- I was thinking of the TV show Twin Peaks. Oh yeah. Which you might not, not have I, seen I don't that know show. About it. But um, that's that's why I was like I I thought that was gonna be a joke from someone else's set and it was like mistaken identity. But that was that was my joke. That was one of my early jokes that I felt like established me in Tulsa, which seems funny to say, but like I don't I don't know if, if every comic feels like that, but mm-hmm. I definitely felt like um, you know, coming to mics and stuff, like you want to have like a joke that is kind of um impactful in some way that yeah. like tells people, lets people know what you're about or something like that. I don't know. I've never really talked about that joke before. Yeah, I think there was a, another variation. You said like, I feel like The Walking Dead right now, you know? Yeah, yeah. Then- it was it was a really self-deprecating joke about my looks. And I think it was the most self-deprecating joke I had done at that point, which is interesting because some people will start doing stand up and their stand up is just kind of ripping on people where Mm -hmm. it's sort of like they can get on stage and you'd be like, man, aren't these handicapped people annoying? Or I hate when women do this or I hate when, Mm -hmm. you know, they're like punching down. But like when you really like hit on yourself. You know, when you're like, I hey, look in the mirror all the time. Who I'm the like, hell am I? You're sexy. I look in the mirror, I'm like, you're sexy. <laughs> like, Stop hitting on me. I get all blushed and I'll put my hair back and whatever. No. Yeah. I yeah. Know exactly but, what you're saying. Yeah. But there's levels to it too there where is. it's like, there's people, there's comics that are willing to make fun of themselves. But like, how far, like, are you willing, how deep are, how you, will, are, are you willing to cut into yourself? Yeah. You know, and I, I felt like that joke at that time was the most self deprecating joke I had done yet. And it, it had such a big response that I felt like it opened up this kind of like, yeah, this, like this is what we do. Like being self-deprecating is going to be my act. So was that, was that the seed to your style right there? Honestly, of? it was. And that's crazy because nobody has ever asked me about that joke before, I don't think. Because I didn't do it enough. I mean, well, I, Blue I Cat Studio, we, we different over here. We <laughs> different, it. boy. We come with the information. I'm sorry. Let me no, that was down. great. I only I did that joke on maybe like six shows or something like that. But it did really like help launch my style I mm. think you know like a band that would have like 
they wrote a hard rock song and then that kind of became like, I'm going to, we're going to play hard rock music. That was kind of like that for me. Yeah. Did you actually go in there and tell that waitress you wrote a joke about her? Like, does that, that really happen? Yes. Wow. That all really happened. That in itself is so funny. Going back and be like, Hey, I wrote a joke (laughs) about you. I think, I think, no. (laughs) Dang it, dude. I think that goes into like the awkwardness of, stand up and just how awkward we are as people mm-hmm. like that we are awkward on stage and then we're awkward in real life and awkward has really been my brand you know but it wasn't a situation where like you know i people usually i usually don't have a problem with with things like that you know it depends on how comfortable you are with what you say mm-hmm. you know to people like if you're real comfortable and it's like eh, it's not weird then that usually puts people at ease but if you seem like Oh, I don't know if I should be saying this. Then, like, they're, you're going to make them uncomfortable. Wow. So, if you come off with the energy, like, 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 you actually feel like I don't know if I should be saying this, then the crowd is going to feel that right back, and they're like, I don't know if you should say it either. Like, totally, it. totally. Uh, we saw a comic uh, named Rory Scovel. At, he had like Blue Whale Comedy Festival uh-huh. or one of the nights, um, and just that's how I would describe his set. Was he went so far into stuff that should have been making us all uncomfortable, but he had such a way about him that he put you at ease. He kind of came across like he had this like Mr. Rogers as a sex therapist, like energy, you know, but he was just like, he's so chill about it. He's like, yeah, I watch, you know, threesomes online. It's not weird, dude. You know, like it'd (laughs) be weird if you didn't, you know? (laughs) And, um, it just, that was, he set the energy, you know? And I think when you don't do that and it's like, you don't even seem comfortable talking about this. Like I'm going to feel uncomfortable. You don't look comfortable. You know, it's a good point. It's a good point. Um, what was I going to ask you right here? Yeah. You said I can ask you a weird question. So I do kind of want to ask you a weird question. I just, I was talking to you, I was talking about you to Tony yesterday, Tony at the Looney Bin. Yeah. Is it true? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) If Tony said it, it's true. (laughs) You sure? Tony talks a lot. He says some crazy stuff. Okay. Sometimes I start wondering if he's telling the truth or just, you know, trying to get a laugh. But is it true that when you came into Looney Bin and you were doing your early, early comedy, that he took you out and helped you lose your virginity or something like that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> can, I, can I say what else he said? He said, once you lost your virginity, you walked back in there like strutting, like like everything had changed, kind of. I, I think he's using that more as like a, a euphemism. Okay. You know, like he, he's like, I had to take him under my wing a little bit and sh- show him a few things. That's what the older Like it wasn't like exactly like, you know, he took me to a... <laughs> <laughs> listen, 7 p.m., I got a girl coming to your house. Yeah. Be ready. No, it was not like that, but I know, I know what he means. I mean, when I yeah. when I showed up, I think I was truly a different person. And mm-hmm. I've noticed that uh, in many comics since then. I mean, I've been doing this for eight years, and I've seen a lot of people start doing stand-up. And I met them at their first mic, and then you, you hang out with them for six months, and they're not the same person anymore. Not yeah. that they're, like, a worse person or always, like, a better person but it's just different. Like it's almost hard to see the world the same way post doing a lot of stand up. It's like, you're more aware of how people are taking you and everything is sort of like, you know, the room, even sometimes in one-on-one conversations, you still have those kind of like, you have that comedy uh, thing going on in your head. Like, you you know, my bombing, am I talking too much? You know, or is (laughs) anyone laughing? You know, it's, it's like you have that between comics and, uh, you probably, you told me that you've worked at the Looney Bin for like six months now. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you a question. Of course, man. Do you feel like you could walk into the Looney Bin and say there's 75 people there? Do you think you could point out, without knowing what they look like, who the comics are for the week? Uh, I think I'd get at least one of the three or two of the three. You can you can tell. Right, you right. Can. But only, you could, regular people can't do that. It's mm-hmm. like how long have you been around comedy i've had that i could walk i could walk in the the looney bin and i would put some money down that i could pick out the comics just show me everybody in there yeah you know do you know it's like, how they're carrying themselves yeah. it's it's a lot of things i i uh when i was even not even that new into comedy but um i'd been doing it for a little while and i was at the looney bin at the the merch table and i was like oh, i'll take a shirt you know and he was like he looked at me and he was like you a comic like it was just like you know i was like yeah and he was like, and he gave me like, you know, half price oh, comic cool. discount. But it was just like, that doesn't happen to everybody in his line. You can just, comics can tell other comics. And that just something changes about you. We're just, I feel like, 
I, I even feel weird saying we're like I, I'm so young into the comedy career I think we're just all we have a, a different thing about us like in a sense like we're just there's a reason we're doing comedy there's a reason that we want to go up on stage and we get that almost an addiction to go up there and make people laugh and be in the energy where everybody's laughing and you're part of that space there's something just different about us you know because most people they go to that that nine to five, they go home, they see their wife, they have a beer with the kid, you know, people my age don't do that, they're not really married or have kids, but you know, what I think most people that come to comedy shows are doing, you know, they're like, okay, we got a night off, we got a babysitter, and we're just like, dude, I got all the free time in the world, I want to write jokes, I want to go on stage, there's just something different about us in that sense, and I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, it doesn't really matter. Well, it's like people that are nurses, there's a reason why they're a nurse, if someone's mm-hmm. a baker, there's a reason why they're a baker, if someone's a musician, there, there's a reason why we're comics, it's That's like true. we have that thing yeah you know whatever that is uh do you believe in god you religious um i i think i'm more agnostic where it's it's that kind of like i don't know you know but i'm not 100 percent saying there's not you know like yeah, i mean yeah. i'm kind not a, i'm not a religious person but like putting your chips on like well if there is one i'd love to go so you know let's push some chips that direction too yeah i think the older the older i get the more i'm like you know when i was younger i was definitely definitely like 100 percent atheist where i was very much like God is God is a lie. You know, I was into death metal and stuff when I was a teenager. I feel like I guess you have like a, a long winded debate on like why you don't. Believe yeah, I just don't think I. It's not that I kind of don't care. You know, I mean, it, it's kind of irrelevant because I just I still I try to live the best life I can no matter what. Yeah. You know, if at the end of this life I die and then I have to burn for eternity because I didn't go to church, then like, well, fuck it. But what would you like I to still, come back as? I think I'll come back as like a butterfly or something. Anything but a human. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dude. I saw a cow in like a in like a, a trailer on the way here, which is insane. We're in the middle of a town, and I would not want to be that cow. It's like you wonder what they did in another life to have yeah. to get that punishment for real. Probably some that was probably stuff. Hitler. That was Hitler himself, dude. And the one that was slipping all the shit. That was Hitler. Just slipping that and little, falling. Little cow mustache. <laughs> yeah, you know? dude. Looks a little brown right here. Yeah. No doubt. No. Uh, what would you want to be though, besides a human? Dude, um, like a cat. I could see that. Dude, I could I could I could have guessed that honestly. I was thinking a tiger though. Would you think tiger? Ti- or are you more of a house yeah, cat? Yeah, that'd be cool. I just don't want to be like how it was in Tiger King. I don't want some fucking crazy <laughs> redneck. <laughs> Imagine you come back as a tiger, you're all you're all freaking just thought I like, couldn't figure out a word. But you're all <laughs> you're just running, you know, all the okay, I'm I'm done. I can't talk. Um <laughs> I'm trying to get some crazy questions to ask you because you are right. You've had a lot of interviews. How is fame treating you, man? Do you have to like wear disguises in public or do you embrace the attention? Man, it's just it's just local, you know, for one thing. It's Tulsa. <laughs> hey, man, no uh, and, and we're it's not L.A., you know, it's not New York. Um, I can't even imagine what that would be like where there'd be like all of these fucking strangers. I mean, mm-hmm. and people here are so nice. I mean, I think that's what makes it so different, too, is like, you know, in a big city you could be famous, but not everybody there is like as nice of a person no. where it's like, there's people that probably like, you know, hated your movie or hate you, or they saw an article about you. They don't even know you, but they think you're a piece of shit. Yeah. There's nothing like that in Tulsa. Like I don't have haters, Fame? you know, like people yeah. here are just like, usually what happens if I don't know them is they'll just say they've heard about me and they heard good things and they're excited to meet me. You know, like that's, that's all it is. And like, I would never want that to go away from my life. Exact, I love that. It's the exact conversation we had. I think yeah. when you walked in, it's heard great things about you. I'm so excited to meet you. It's the Let's best. Go. Yeah. How could anyone, I can't imagine anyone not liking that. I mean, I, I, no, I love it. Cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Honestly. Yeah. What scene would you like if you were to ever leave Tulsa to pursue like a, the next kind of step <clears throat> in comedy, what scene would you want to go to? Dude, I can't even think that far ahead, honestly. Like, I, I can't, I truly can't imagine leaving Tulsa. I've had, I've had a lot of friends and even my partner, like, left Tulsa before and then came back. Like, it's just, it's one of those places where, and it's changing too. Like, I don't feel like Tulsa is going to be exactly like this five years from now or 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. So I think even if we stay here, it's not that it's going to stay the same. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not going to be the same. So things are still going to things are going to be moving and changing even as we don't physically move. And I I don't want to miss out on those changes either. Like I don't want to go, you know, start over somewhere else and then see everything like, you know, go up here, Come you back know, and, and then I'm not part of it. You know, world. like I've I've worked pretty hard one to second, build. Second, I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. To continue to work on it, you know, exactly. That's very interesting. actually. Yeah. 
I like that. I like that. Um, I was, yeah, I like this this studio my dad has built. I love it. It's. I think this would be great if if uh, word could get out because he's letting people just come in and try it out. He's not like trying to charge five hundred dollars for an, a day or whatever. He just this is his passion. You know, he has a already has a full time job. He has this upstairs, and it would be great for local artists to have the opportunity to use some equipment that they can't get their hands on. You know what I mean? Or if they can, it would cost an arm and a leg, which is really cool. I think. Yeah, I agree, and I. I got to talk to your dad a little bit earlier mm-hmm. and he was telling me that Esther Drang was even going to come record here and you're, you're too young for, for them. But like in the early two thousands, uh, they had a lot of success. It's like a emo, uh, indie, uh, type of band uh, in Tulsa and got to go on tour with a bigger axe and got signed to a label and all that wow. stuff, which is really cool. And it's cool. I'm, I'm a fan of theirs. So that's really exciting. Do you, you know? tour with your comedy? I'm in the process now of setting up, like my first tour, but it's not going to be, I mean, it's probably just going to be like a week and a half. Um, it's funny. I've always wanted to tour, but touring by yourself, like it's gotta be really hard. I mean, I think even a lot of accomplished comics try to find someone to partner with, to go on the road with. They bring like their friends with them usually, but that's when they're really well, well established. Yeah. They'll bring a, yeah. But a lot of tours, I mean, I've been the host or I've set up a ton of, uh, uh, shows here for touring acts and a lot of times it's two even three comics and they're all on the road together so they're splitting costs and everybody's pooling their resources so mm-hmm. you know maybe one of them uh, knew the person to talk to to get the Chicago show and, and the, one of the other comics knew who to talk to to get the Nashville show so it's like not one person doing and making everything happen on their money and their connections you got to find someone to, to go in on everything with and yeah. I finally kind of found that right person and uh covid really set back uh touring uh for a lot of people so a lot of those things that were planned that could have happened in 2020 now it's 2023 and we're finally bouncing back and setting up things that we'd planned to do three years ago interesting yeah so it's it's just a matter of of time if you give me um what is happening Okay. No, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, it's all good. Well, I could try to work with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't. I. Yeah. So, you, you, earlier you said you're into death metal, which is crazy, right? Because remember earlier how you said if you walk into a room, you could point out the comics. Yeah. I if I had like three options, I had rap. No, four options. Sorry, rap, country, metal, and jazz. I'm putting you in the jazz. Like you seem really? like a really jazzy type guy. I'm actually rap and death metal. Really? Yeah. Okay, interesting. What kind of rap are you into? Because that's more my alley than death metal. I, uh, I really I like rap from all the different coasts. I like I like southern rap. I like west coast rap. I like okay. east coast rap. More older stuff. I mean, now kind of everything is still trap. You know, we're in like. 20 years of trap music it hasn't um, really evolved much it's kind of gotten a little i feel like it's personally it's gotten a little worse it's gotten less about the words they're saying more about the noises it's kind of you know when it got real mumbly it's like the beats nice it's a cool background noises but what is this guy even saying right now yeah the lyrics are pretty bad yeah um yeah i mean i kind of i grew up in the tupac and biggie era oh, um so i i mean I don't know. I could list a bunch of rappers, but I I, re- I really like uh, uh, UGK and Eight Ball and MJG and all that like Three Six Mafia, all that Southern stuff, and then West Coast, you know, like Mac Dre and Too Short and uh, Mac Mall and San Quinn and Andre Nicotina and East Coast. I mean, I, I grew up during the Wu Tang Clan, okay. you know, explosion too, and um, I like Most Def and uh, all those people. I grew so, up during like this. I grew up during Jay-Z. like the like economic collapse of 2008. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's kind of how I grew up a little bit. Uh, I was, dr- I was driving here and my girlfriend was playing her playlist, dude. And ice cube came on. Yeah. I like slid on my brakes. Like, who have you been hanging out with? She's like, I know I love this song. You know, <laughs> it starts rapping. I'm like, Holy and uh, Yeah. And ice cube had a, a couple good albums and obviously he was part of NWA and, mm-hmm. and then, you know, his movies in the beginning were really, really good. I mean, Friday is one of my favorite movies ever. Oh, like, are we there yet? The stuff like that? No, he did a movie oh. called Friday with yeah. Chris Tucker. And Chris Tucker actually came to the Looney Bin, I think, in 2014. No kidding. Right right before I started. Wow. Well, not right before I started, but, like, I started going to the Looney Bin for 
a little bit before I actually like enrolled in the comedy class. I was going to watch shows and Chris Tucker was already a, a, a framed picture on the wall from his show there. Like it happened like right before I started coming to the bin, oh, I understand. but I would have loved to see him, but I ended up talking to a lot of my friends that went and they said he pretty much didn't want to really meet any of the fans or anything like that. He just kind of wanted to be snuck in and out the back. So it wasn't like how it is where they come set up a merch table yeah. and everybody comes shakes hands. They were like, he didn't want to see or talk to anybody. Well, I feel like somebody that big of a name would be interesting because everybody saw Friday. Everybody saw that movie. Yeah. Like I've, I even, I've seen it and, and I don't know much about it, but I'm sure everybody would want to flock to him and just questions on questions on questions. And do they have phones back in 2014? Right. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't need to do it. If I, I was like 12 in 2014. Literally, yeah, wow. I was twelve. I'm a youngin, man. I'm a youngin. I'm I'm just trying to soak in all this information. Yeah, no, there were phones. They just weren't as cool as they are now. They were the flip ones. Yeah, I love those. Man, when you get angry, you can just. <laughs> this is the greatest thing in the world. I literally had that for like two months. I took out the SIM from my iPhone and put it in a flip, and I was enjoying life. Well, if you're if you have enough money, you can smash an expensive phone too. That's true. Mad. That's true. You, know. you have that that uh fuck you phone money? No. <laughs> <laughs> That Joe Rogan fuck you money. That's hilarious. Um, what? That's such a good question, man. Oh yeah, yeah. What's your favorite comedian? Like, uh, who you, that's a like good question. Idol? I I really like everybody. I mean, there's some styles yes. that aren't my style, but I truly, I think truly from doing stand up, I respect everybody and everybody's style. I mean, you really can't do an hour at the BOK Center. And not have jokes. And there's like no reason why you're there. Exactly. You know, everybody in comedy really earns their spot. I think even more so than in music. There's people that are, you know, someone in music. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's it's there's auto-tune. There's people writing their songs. They don't even sound like that. They're not even writing the lyrics. They're, they are doing nothing. Yeah. You know, but in stand-up, you really can't do that. You can't You, you can't it, write everyone's entire set and then have them go out there and do it where it'll still be really good. You know, I mean, there's comics that obviously they have ghostwriters and stuff like that, but there was probably a time where they didn't, and they've just, now that they've made it, they're kind of lazy about writing jokes, or maybe yeah. they've kind of hit a, hit a writer's block and they're getting help, but they still know how to perform. They kind of just want to coast now. You can't have bit. no talent. No. You can't you know? fake it, man. You can't go up there with all eyes on you and... and grow as a comedian by faking it at all there's no like this like you know what i mean like you said you can't get an hour to be okay and not be a funny person and it's no ridiculous style to, is. to see like youtube comments where someone will be like this person's not funny and they're they're literally performing on the tonight show it's like <laughs> yeah i'm sure they're not funny yeah yeah sure, they guy. just found them on the street and they were like hey do you want to do five minutes on Fallon tonight and the whole studio audience is laughing, but you're in the YouTube comments like this, this guy isn't funny. Would you like to do a, a, a segment I did on my first podcast where we read comments that we've gotten? Like kind of like, sure. We react. Do you have some on your phone you could pull up? I, or, uh, like just bad comment sections. Yeah. Or good, bad or good. I, I mean, mean, if you, if you don't have it, it's okay. I just, yeah, it might. Yeah. That might take, take up too You're much right. time. I should have. Uh, <laughs> if, if I was prepared to do yeah, that. that's my bad. I should have just brought them and like, so is yeah. it true that on 2014 you left this comment or something? I don't oh know. Oh my God. No. Yeah. I just, I try really hard to not look at comment sections because it's, it's just insane. It is. Like I've seen them. I've seen comments like that posted on uh successful comment comics pages um, where I've seen that comic live. And I mean, not, not that that even, I just, I know they're funny. Yeah, they are funny. Exactly. You know, exactly. and just seeing someone say that someone's not good, which is actually very common in uh, comment sections for successful comedians. I don't know if mm -hmm. you really know that or not, but there was a comic that came here and she's blowing up. And she was telling me that she gets, I mean, this is a, a woman doing comedy. There'll be men even DMing her that she's not funny. And wow. she's funny as fuck. That's crazy. You know? Um, I don't know why people go out of their way to just. She's not blowing up for like no that. reason. Yeah, but that's just how some people are. It's it's weird. I mean, there's some of it might just be trolling, but I think some people like truly believe it. They truly believe that person that's having success in comedy is not funny. It's got to be some sort of envy. Like, how is this person getting paid to do jo tell jokes when I sit over here and I work hard and you know I tell jokes to my friends and they're funny. It's got they got to have some angle that's just. It's just so weird. I don't and, it, and it's not people that are... they truly believe it, you know. 
Yeah, it's it's it never comes from people that are successful in comedy themselves. It's not like there's a big comic that's going to be on the internet saying this other comic is not funny. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always someone that has never done comedy before or isn't any good at doing comedy. Yeah, I had a comment. Some guy said, um, seriously not funny, comma, three spaces. Like, dude dude had a spasm in the middle of his comment. But he was like, uh, if you have to use your note cards on a set, not funny. Just pretty much bashing me uh-huh. like that. And then I had, like, random people come to my defense you're like you, you, you would piss yourself if you had to get on stage and stuff like this. I was like, dang, yeah, I mean, man. When you're new, I mean, I think using using your phone is okay when you're new. You yeah. know, we're using cards or notes or whatever, and I think you know the longer you do it, you shouldn't use them. Um, no, definitely, definitely. I, you know, we've all cheated a little bit though. I mean, I've I've seen uh, even what I would consider very successful comics um, come to Tulsa and use notes like a little bit. It just depends on how new the material is. And they're good enough to still be having an incredible set and take a look at some notes. The headliner you know? last night, um, I forgot his name, very funny guy. He he brought a set list. Yeah. I don't know if that was part of the – if it was his own joke, though. Because, like, he brought the set list and he put it down. I never saw him look at it. Maybe he had some new stuff at the beginning he wanted to do mm-hmm. or something. But – he like when you get to that level, making people laugh on every sentence is so crazy to me. Yeah, every sentence was a punchline, and then another punchline, and another punchline. Like my my style so far is kind of just like I like telling like stories about like my life and stuff. So there's a lot I can notice. There's a lot of like fat, maybe two or three sentences that aren't funny unless you think of how I talk's funny or something like that. And um, what what's your process on cutting down the fat? out of that stuff man dude that's the hardest part of comedy I think is the editing it's the part that nobody wants to do it's the most difficult part to to look at something you've written and just admit that it's not good or like I gotta throw all this away or it's gotta be better mm-hmm. you know and I think the people that have trouble with that like I'm not looking down at them like oh you suck at editing you know you gotta get better or like you won't admit that your stuff isn't good or whatever it's just it is the hardest part you know I hope that anytime I'm talking about comedy you know, people are taking it as like I respect the art form, yeah. and I and I understand what's hard about it. So I'm not looking down at anybody that's struggling and no being doubt. like, "Oh, you should be doing better." It's like all the hard parts are fucking hard. You know, it's just it's you it's just a, difficult. You have a true understanding about it, though. Eight years in the game, at this point, you could have your own comedy class. Like I know you feel like there's areas in your comedy where you can improve, but everybody feels that way. They'll always feel that way. I feel like you could definitely coach some people. You know how like a coach is like, you need to do the layup this way, and the reason why is because if you put your leg up, that helps block, and if you have your arm right here, it helps. Same thing with like, hey, when you if you go up there and you have three sentences, they don't get any laughs on this set, and it, does, and it happens again, look at that and see how you can change it. Just simple stuff like that. I'm so glad you brought that up because mm-hmm. that is something that it's it comedy is subjective, and you get so many different answers from all different types of comics. I mean, it's not that, you know, all, all the comics agree, you know, the rule is, you know, be funny, obviously, <laughs> you know, but uh, pe- people will disagree about, you know, even all little things like people will say, Oh, well you shouldn't wear shorts or you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't, you know, you have to have to do it this way, have to do it that way. And, you know, the truth is that it, it, and it might, you know, sometimes be annoying, but, you'll go somewhere and see a show and you'll see people, someone doing the thing that should be like a comedy rule not to do. And they'll be having success with it. Interesting. You know, like for somebody that works, you know, you just have to find out what works for you. You know, it's in, it's, um, and that's why I think sometimes it's difficult to just only watch successful comics, which is pretty much what most people do before they kind of deep dive into stand up in real life, like themselves, like getting yeah. into it because when you're only watching Netflix specials and Amazon prime specials and stuff like that, you're pretty much only ever seeing people having success. You're not seeing mistakes. You know, once they're, once you're doing a Netflix special, every shot is going in, yeah. you know, that set is perfect. Yeah. Um, but when you watch it locally, you see mistakes and you see things that don't work and often you learn more from that watching mistakes than you do watching everything go perfectly. Like mm-hmm. I didn't even really understand comedy when I was younger and watching George Carlin and stuff like that because I was like, how the fuck did he, does he go up there and perform an hour 
and every line works. Like, how does he even yeah. build that? Like, what? how is this possible? But comedy makes a lot more sense when you watch strikeouts and home runs and strikeouts and home runs. You'll you'll kind of see, like, okay, that, that doesn't really work. Try, trying to do that, don't do that. It, but then you'll see stuff where you're like, dude, that that is what good comedy looks like. Yeah, when I watch, on the same show. When I watch my sets back, it's a lot of strikeouts, first base hit, strikeouts, fly fly ball, strike. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the fact that you can admit that is yeah. so. That's someone like that. Someone like you is going to get better. It's the people that are only striking out or hitting singles that think that everything was a home run. It's like they don't have any self awareness. Mm-hmm. Like if you have that kind of like. Like, my friend Daniel, he's a, a newer comic. Daniel Balderas? Yes. Yeah, he's a great guy. And I love talking to him about it because he's so self-aware and he's so honest and he's so like, oh, I want to get better. And he's like, I did this right, but I didn't do this right. And he's so introspective about all of it. And that's the kind of person that always gets better. Yeah. You I, know? When I watch it back. Yeah, but by the way, Daniel Balderas, we started on the same day too. Me, Dude, him, that's and so cool. Lynn. So, like, that's, the, that's a class, you know, that'll be, that's pretty dope, I think. <laughs> I was gonna say some crazy stuff, but I'm not. Uh, when, when I watch my sets back and I'm like showing my girlfriend or whatever, I like literally will pause it and be like, "I said that word wrong. I, I flipped those. Those were incorrect. I put that sentence in front of this sentence, which when I rehearsed it, it was supposed to be the other way. And I'm like, right here, I just lost my composure completely. Like I because they didn't laugh at this. My next joke was now worse because my energy went down. Stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, dude. It takes me days to watch even a good set, like, uh, and or in a bad set, I'm rolling across the floor away from it. Like I'm just like, it's like painful, right? It's so watching painful. yourself and not being happy with it. It's so painful. Oh my god, I hate it, man. I hate it. That's uh, the worst. Did you record yourself early on too, or? Yeah, I was. I was even more interested in watching myself early on. I I should be recording myself now. I mean, if anybody listens to this. They need to know that the right way is to record every set and watch back every set. I mean, that is, if you really, really care about comedy and you want to make it, you should do that for every set. But, you know, in real life, you know, that doesn't always happen. Yeah. You know, because it it is difficult. And a lot of the stuff that's the hardest work of comedy is what people want to do the least. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just like having a nice house. You know, it's like you got to. You should clean your house every day, you know, and you should dust and all that stuff. And how many people really do it and floss and stuff like that? But all of that stuff is Jeez, what dude, really was, is like the next level you of attacked me put twice. the work in. You attacked me twice right there. You know? You said the word dust and floss. <laughs> <laughs> Not floss like in rap music. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, know? or that dance, you know, that little, uh, that little uh, Fortnite dance. The TikTok dance, dance yeah. yeah. For sure. Uh, you're right, man. It's the same thing with anything. Like when I go to the gym, I never want to hit legs ever yeah it's the worst but i realize it's the worst because it's the weakest part of my body you only get the results from the work you put in you Mm -hmm. know and comedy is just like that if you find yourself not liking an aspect of comedy and like you're not you're not doing it just know that you're fucking up you know probably Mm -hmm. you know i mean you might still be super fucking good but you're not going to be as good as you you could be i mean there's a lot of levels to comedy there's the absolute like the icon, like Hall of Fame, like Mount Rushmore comics. Yes. And then, you know, there's comics that, you know, get get specials and they're they're big and, you know, verified, you know, Chicago comics somewhere, but they're not iconic Mount Rushmore, mm-hmm. you know. And then there's comics, you know, below them that are not at that level that are just like, you know, they're good and they're, they're notable and they're funny and no one's saying they're not funny, but they haven't hit that next level yet either. Yeah, and then like and, and sometimes people down. just might not, you know, you might not have that thing or whatever, but you can you can get really fucking hard, really fucking far through hard work. Did you, when you started comedy, I know I was doing a little bit of research for this. I know that you didn't even like have the dream or the idea you'd ever do it, right? Right. It's something you kind of just stumbled into. Did you feel like you had a natural gift to make people laugh once you saw your reception early on? Because when I listen to comics who are really big, I hear a lot about having to struggle through the first two years of just bombing and having to find yourself and stuff of that nature. But what it sounds like is you had like a big blow up year your first year. Like it was like a, it was, I mean, I don't, from what I've heard, it sounds like your first year could have gone as great as it could have gone, you know? Yeah, totally. I think that's true. And I think there was a lot of luck involved. And I think I didn't look at it like, oh, of course, I'm like so naturally funny. Like I didn't, I didn't, I think all of that stuff, I didn't 
do because of ego. Like I yeah. didn't, I didn't want to think about it. Like I, I think, I think a lot of people presented me questions like that, even my first year. And I was always pushing those questions away and just like, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. I'm really lucky. I'm really blessed. And, and I think there is a lot of truth to that too, that I think at the time when I came in the game, so many things fell into place for me and worked out in such a way to help me that a lot of it felt magical. And there, there's a lot of comics too, that have, they've got to that next level and like the right person saw them at the right time. Yeah. And it's like they they put themselves in that position and they're good and all of that stuff. But there's still sometimes like a little bit of luck involved. Luck is they, just preparing for opportunity, man. That's what luck is. Is you, If you're preparing and the opportunity arises and you strike on it, you can look at it as luck. But you were prepared. You were ready. And the opportunity came and you were able to make the best of it. Well, I had a, I have a friend and he, he has a successful restaurant. Um mm-hmm. And he was he was telling me that he you know he started out as a food truck and got to like level up to a restaurant after it became really successful and popular. Yeah. And he was like, dude, if I didn't do it that year, he was like, and I had dropped my food truck or brought it in a couple of years later, I don't think it would have worked out the same. He was like, I got it in at the right time, and like I r- really uh, resonated with that so much because I I truly felt the same way about my comedy. It was like it was the right year. I was like, I did it at the right time. The timing was good. And I was just, yeah, like, like you said, I mean, I, I still, I'm involved in my own success, but there's, there's also outside factors that I just feel lucky, uh, for that they were in place at the time. Yeah. So how, how does it feel to, after a year of being a comic? So this is back in probably 2016 now you have a roast at the loony bin, the place where you were taking comedy classes. You had a roast about you, man. How did that, what's that feeling like? If you go back to that day. Dude, that was still one of the best nights of my entire life, one of the most memorable nights of my life. I, one of my biggest regrets is probably not having a video the whole night. And the only reason I didn't end up getting the video was, like, not being sure how it was going to go. You know, I was like, well, God, like, what if it what if it goes horribly, you know? It's like, you, you can't really prepare for a roast like that when you haven't even been doing comedy. You know, I was, like, almost to my first year yeah. in doing stand-up. And... You know, it wasn't my idea to do the roast. Um, I, you know, I was smart to say yes to doing it. Uh-huh. Um, Who but was, yeah, whose idea was it? Uh, Billy Bazaar. Billy Bazaar, yeah, yeah, and he was uh, he was the biggest promoter, uh, local promoter in the scene back then, and he worked at Looney Bin for a bit, and he performed at Looney Bin, and he had a lot of connections, and it was his idea. I I was thinking about Billy the other day too because. Um, you know, I'm a promoter booker now, even though I don't like those titles really, you know, yeah, yeah. but you know, Billy had a lot of great ideas in, in terms of like how to, how to book shows and bring people in. And he tried all kinds of different things. You know, he would try, let's just do three comics. Let's do 10 comics, you know, like let's, let's make this the formula or like, what, what do we need to do? to get butts in seats and to get people excited. And how do we, how do we have a good show? Like what should an order look like and things like that and all of that stuff, there's kind of an art to it mm-hmm. and you can always do it wrong. Like it can look good on paper. And then in real time, it's just like, Oh shit, I probably should have had, you know, I had this guy go first, but he should have went in the middle or whatever. And you just, you learn from it. And sometimes it's just fucking perfect. Oh yeah. You know. That's true entrepreneurship right there. You got trial and error until you figure out the formula. Yeah, and I'm such a bet. I'm so so much better at putting shows together now than I was in my first year of doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, how long have you been putting shows together for? Uh, 2018. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, minus the pandemic time, but and I appreciate you booking me. That's so nice of you. Yeah, I got you, bro. <laughs> Just joking. No. I actually I'm preparing for my first show. Right, right now. Where are you doing it at? Uh, Mar- Martini's Lounge. It's mm-hmm. with uh, Angela Teague. Very cool. Yeah, I'm doing a show with her. Um, I, when, what day is it? It's um, a week from today. It's on the 26th. I might be on that show. You may be. Dude, if you're on that show, that would be beautiful. I might be. The 26th. Yeah, I don't know the other the, the lineup. All I know is I got to bring five. So I, I'm... Uh, you have to bring people? No, bring five minutes with me. Oh, I got do you. For sure. You know, speak, I'm going to look it up. Speaking of how you said in the first year... Uh, uh, you don't worry. I'm, I don't, I'm not going to take you away from you looking that up. But I'm said, on February 25th, the day before, so yeah. a, a Saturday. 
Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm going to check it out then. I work Saturdays, but I'll see what's up. Cool. Um, how you said in the first year, you had the opportunities that just were seemed magical to you. Like you were like, wow, this is unreal. I'm just, like, like you said, happy to be here, which is the best way to look at it, man. It's grateful. And I didn't mean to say like that you were cocky in a sense of, oh, I know I'm funny, but just logistically, like logistically looking. Damn, my camera's died. Damn, I was about to say some I was ready, bro. I was ready. You mind if I throw one more battery in and we can wrap it up? Do it. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm ready for that question. I did feel like you had something there too. Right on us. Um, so that first year, right? You had those those opportunities, those those things that just gave you that feeling like, wow, this is this is magical. This is unreal. This is happening in the first year. Um, and like I said, I wasn't trying to say like you were cocky about it, but like just looking at it logistically you saw like I'm making pro- more progress than, than what I thought would even be possible so early. You know, my jokes are working. have the early success. I'm getting booked on shows. Um, I don't know where my question was going anymore, but I do want to say is I had an opportunity that I had to turn down because I wasn't ready, which sucks. I'm sure you've had a few of those, but um, Allie was going to put me on the Tulsa Showcase like my second month because I had an okay five, but she needed 10 and I didn't have 10. What is it like when you have to, when I use, I don't know where my question's going with this, but what is it, what does it feel like when you have to turn down one of those opportunities? How do you kind of get your feet back under you? Like just work harder or like just try to understand that it's okay. I'm not ready or what's that like? Yeah, I did things like that before too. I remember telling a few people that I didn't, wasn't quite there yet, you know, kind of thing where you just, you're like, Hey, I don't think I'm ready for that. Okay. You know, so that I, I went through that too. Um, I think, sorry, the question was so, no, it's absurd. a good question. And thinking about what you were saying about the first year, I think so many things in my life were changing that it was like overwhelming in a great way mm-hmm. where it wasn't just like comedy wasn't just like in a vacuum where it was just like, oh, I'm writing these jokes and comedy's going well. It felt like I was making all these friends and I was just like a new person. I was like the yeah. the uh, caterpillar and the butterfly, you know, like everything was just, everything was changing. Like everything was different and everything was great. So the jokes were just, yeah, I wasn't really even like focused on that specifically. Like I felt like everything was just going crazy in a, in a good way. And I, it was just wrapped up in, in comedy. That's kind of what, you know. what I was feeling earlier when I mentioned the community. Like this this past few months, I've been making so many good friends just yeah. that are comedians. And that alone holds more weight than how I do on my set. Like meeting somebody who I can talk to and who um, we can, you know, hang out. Somebody who, who I'm going to know for a long time coming, hopefully. You know what I mean? Like people like, shout out like Marcus. Like he, he's one of my, my better comedian friends. Every time I see him come in, we just... You know, have a great time. Just meet people like you. That's the one of the biggest opportunities alone. It's just people. Yeah, the experiences. It's like, you know, one year, nothing's really going on. You might just be going to work and going home or going to school and going home. Yeah. And then the next year, it's like, oh, my God, I'm doing this, you know, show in a theater. And then I'm traveling to Arkansas for this show. And it's like all of a sudden you're on a road trip with a couple comics. And it's just like, (laughs) man, what is my life anymore? This is fucking amazing. It's, you know? That's so great, dude. That really is. It's so yeah. unreal. It, is, is it crazy how time moves so fast? Like, I re- realized I was, the other night I was drinking alone, you know, just a normal hobby of mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not and, weird. <laughs> not weird at all. And I was realizing how quick time is just flying by. And I don't really have much more thought into it, but just, just, I, just waking up and, and saying to yourself, today's going to be a great day. Take it as it comes. And just trying to stay grateful through all of it because I've you you can look back and realize wait that um that concert I went to with my girlfriend was five months ago that's crazy or my my first set was six almost uh, five months ago as well that's just how has time gone by so quick my first show and like you said looking forward to that road trip with your buddies going to Arkansas that it's beyond comedy you know you're, you're having you're going on a road trip with your buddies your comedian buddies yeah just yeah just try to enjoy it i mean i i have those kind of thoughts all the time i mean i did friday night i did a show at tulsa comedy club mm-hmm. saturday i did or last night i did heirloom rustic ale's comedy show and then went over and did a comedy set at thelma's peach like right after we did two shows back to back i have another show tonight um and i was thinking like on valentine's day i was having 
Valentine's brunch with my girlfriend. Yeah. And where we were having it at, I used to do comedy there back when it was uh, the Phoenix Coffee House. And I was just like, man, you know, I was, I think it was about, you know, six, five, you know, six, six years, probably six, maybe even seven years ago, six years ago, I was in this room doing stand up and like thinking about how much has changed and like, man, that was six years ago, you know, and so many cool things have happened. But, you know, I'd also, I'd love to go back too. Mm-hmm. like, it's great now. It was great then, but it's just, it's, it's amazing. Like those, those memories and those moments, like you're not going to be standing in that place five years from now. You know, you're just going to be seeing a picture. I actually pulled up a picture for, of the, the room we were in. Now it's the Bramble, but it used to be Phoenix Coffee House. And I was like, check this out. And I'm in a room, absolutely sur- completely packed room doing, doing stand up so where cool. we were sitting there eating. And so she was cool. like, what the hell? Like, this is so cool. And I was like, and I could like remember the feeling of that night, you know, yeah. the jokes and the feet. And I'm looking at the faces in the crowd in the picture. And I, I, re- I know a lot of those people still, and they're just, Oh my God, look, there's, there's TJ, you know? And yeah. you're like, Oh shit. And it's just like, what a great moment. Like, I wish it would have gone even slower. Me too, man. Life is such as I, I know I'm I'm younger, so it's it's weird for me to say and stuff like that. The life is just such a it's a beautiful chaos, man. You you spend all your time trying to figure it out day by day, and as you do that, if you don't take the time to appreciate what you got going on now, it'll it's just gonna change on you. That's what it does. It continues to change, which is unreal. I would like to just wrap it up by asking you one more thing. What do you got going on now? What are you working on? Um, I'm constantly working on uh, new shows. Yes, sir. I mean, I think that is my uh, my thing. You know, so I'm, I'm out here, you know, wanting to get booked and I'm also wanting to help people get booked. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's, it's funny because I, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, like all the stuff, like, I don't know which of the Tulsa comics now, you know, might be on a TV show someday, you know, or might, you know, move to LA or move to Chicago or whatever. And like, yeah. I could be instrumental in people's lives and that could be you that, I don't even understand, you know, like I, I can't predict it. I'm just here for some reason and I'm, I'm happy to be here. And I, I hope that I'm able to help people. And so much is so much going on with me is good. That's great. <clears throat> and I'm so thankful for it that like, I have no complaints and I hope nobody is like, well, what about Evan? Like, please don't ever say that. Like I'm so I'm good. Yeah. Um, and I'm just happy that, I'm able to help other people. That's beautiful, man. That's awesome. Um, where are you, where are you going to be in the coming weeks? I think this podcast will be up in about a week. Is there any spots that you would like to shout out for people to come to check you out? I've got another Tulsa comedy club. It's for a, it's a fundraiser for a women's football team called Oklahoma rage. Oh, cool. And there's going to be a comedian CC and some other uh, good comics. Lacey Rains will be on that show. Uh, uh, Midwest BJ. He's a DJ on one Oh five three. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's a, a bunch of other ones uh, that I've got in the works. Uh, March, <clears throat> sorry, March third at the right Vanguard now. is our next Vanguard show. It's full of it's it's an all local lineup. We had Sam Talent last month who its headline festivals and so is toured that a, with Tim Dillon. It's a lineup, um, and it's not open mic. It's it's a lineup, right? Yes, yeah, okay. we just call gotcha. it a, a local showcase. Yes, sir. Um, so that that's what that is, and um, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch more. Where can uh, we find you on social media? Uh, Evan B. Hughes on Instagram, uh, Evan Hughes on Facebook, uh, Evan Hugs on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I have a TikTok, but I don't really get on there. So don't, don't, don't worry about that one. But yeah, I put all the flyers on, on Instagram and, and Facebook and, uh, Twitter has the flyers sometimes, but yeah, find me on Instagram's my favorite. Could I, could, I'm sorry, this is so dumb. I've never done this before, but could you look in camera one and say thank you to Blue Couch Studio, please? This one right here? Yes, sir. Thank you to Blue Couch Studio. <laughs> thank <laughs> you so much. It was a pleasure. I got you, bro. It really was. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. So we can wrap this up now. Yes, sir. Right.